You're at the Over or Under Show. I'm your host, Ed Henderson. And man, it's a crazy world we live in. It has no shortages of rabbit holes. I'm not scared of rabbit holes. If you're not scared of rabbit holes, this show is for you. Let's see if we can jump in one and make our way back to the top. Welcome, I'm Ed Henderson, and you're on Over and Under. Thank you so much for joining me today. I always appreciate my listeners and uh, appreciate your input and your comments. Uh, If you hear anything you'd like today, please hit subscribe. Um, Today, we're going to dive into a topic that uh, caught my interest. It was some time ago, and I was talking to a what I consider to be a good friend. I sure hope he considers me a good friend, but he uh, was my superior at work. He's also black. He's a Democrat. And he's progressive, and I happen to be a conservative. So we have always had some very good and, I think, fruitful, productive conversations. And I think at the end of those conversations, we always found ourselves knowing that we're a lot closer than we are apart. Not that we would uh, change our positions, but they would be modified somewhat, or at least more understanding of each other's point. And uh, I've always found him to be a thoughtful person. Well, we were talking one day about Donald Trump, if my memory serves me correctly, and he talked about what a racist Donald Trump is, which I thought was odd because I guess I've got that old school mentality of racism, you know, probably one of the most ugliest aspects of uh, our history and our racism is the lynching of of perfectly innocent people. I mean, how more perverse can you get? than to lynch somebody and and they're innocent, to do so without due process, to do so for no other reason than you just hate the color of their skin and how perverse. You don't even know why. But, you know, it it just didn't fit my narrative of racist, you know, uh, white water fountain, black water fountain, black school, white school, uh, the white set at the counter and at the uh, at the tables and and the blacks go around to the back of the restaurant to pick up their meals that might be rather naive today in modern sense as far as what we consider racism but when he said that Trump was a racist I kept thinking what a weird way to express racism in uh, 2020 you had record lows of poverty within the black community Median income per black household rose $4,000 after it had failed the 14 previous years. Black home ownership jettisoned to 47%. That's phenomenal. Black weekly earnings increased 4.1% compared to white earnings, which were 3.4%. And I tell you right now, I would take 2.4% today. Uh, Joe Biden said he's going to build back America. I agree with something that I saw on Facebook the other day. Joe, just put it back where you found it and leave it alone. Jeez. But anyhow, back to topic. Uh, You know, I I started pointing out all these racist things about the Democrats. You know, the Democrats are the people who have the, the checkered history as far as race relationships go in the United States. With all the statues that you're being seen brought down and tore down because of racist elements in some of our founding fathers, and and I still consider some of them great Americans. It was part of their complete persona, if you will, part of who they were. Unfortunately, that was a horrible part to have a part of you. 
But if that's going to be the metric in which you take down a statue, I've always wondered why the Democrats are not finding a new name because a lot of those statues that are coming down are, are Democrats, Southern Democrats, and to a, a large part, even Northern Democrats. But why does that name get to stay in place as we're taking down all these other statues that are tied with racism when nothing is tied to racism? even more so than the Democratic Party. So as we're talking, he says, well, you do know that Republicans became Democrats and Democrats became Republicans. I said, no, I, I, I'm not aware of that. I'm, I, I guess you can make the argument at some time that uh, the Republicans have lost their way on their small government, less spending and taxing somewhere along, that maybe you can make that argument. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally unaware of when all the racists on the Republican side got up, walked across the aisle, took the seats of the Democrats, and the Democrats went over and took over the seats of the Republicans. No, I'm, I'm totally unaware of that. So I've had a little bit of time to reinforce what I, what I thought. Yeah, it might have been one of those things where you went on a search to find what you were looking for, which is not a very good way to go about finding truth. But I will present to you what I have, and I'll let you make the judgment. Because sometimes you can have preconceived notions and uh, find out that they're true. I'm not trying to fool myself. That's no way to live, to lie to your own self. That's the ultimate lie, is it not? But if you will, for the next uh, few minutes, we'll go over a brief history and we'll do an inquiry as to when all the racist Republicans became Democrats and all the all the abolitionist Democrats <laughs> went over to become Republicans. So let's just start with the founding of the Republican Party, and I don't think I'm going to get a whole lot of rebuttal uh, on this point, that they were founded in large part to abolish slavery, which they did. They went to war. Over 600,000 Americans died in that war. They went on to pass the 13th Amendment, which outlawed slavery. Uh, every Republican voted unanimously to support that. Democrats tried to stand in the way of it. Uh, they passed the 14th Amendment, citizenship for freed slaves. So once they were freed, they were granted full citizenship and all the rights of every other American. And then they passed the 15th Amendment, the right to vote, probably one of the most precious rights that you have as an American. Now the blacks were empowered. Now that power would be checked at several places. In the South, the, everything was done with uh, Jim Crow laws, again, a creature and an invention of the Democrat Party. And like I said, this is the kind of things I think of when I, when I start thinking about what racism is. So I think, uh, I think I'm pretty good with uh, that big change between Republicans and Democrats did not take place in the 1850s. Now, the Republicans set through or attempt it through Reconstruction to make the world right. Uh, we know how that worked out. It caused a lot of animosity between the North and the South, and of course the Republicans and the Democrats. The Democrats just dug in deeper. They lost the war, but that didn't mean they couldn't wage their little battles within their communities and within their states. And so the Republicans, uh, by the 1870s, because of all this animosity, uh, they lost the, the Congress. They maintained the presidency for, for many years on, throughout, possibly up through uh, 
the early 1900s when uh, Woodrow Wilson came into power. We'll talk about him in just a minute. But again, to my point, uh, I think we can all agree that the Republicans throughout the 1800s, I think at least we at this point, we can agree that the Republicans from the 1850s up to 1900 are still very much on board with making sure that our fellow brothers, that our fellow citizens are fully franchised into this uh, wonderful country that they have every right that any white person has. So, like I said, you still had the states that were flexing their military and civil might. Unfortunately, some people could actually argue that they had the right to do so. But with the amendments of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment, it would be hard to deny although I must say they truly did frustrate it. So that brings us up to 1900. Are we all in agreement that that big, that big party swap did not happen between the 1850s and 1900s? So let's, let's jump in our little history machine here, our time machine. We'll jump to the year 1913. Woodrow Wilson is now the president. He is uh, the democratically elected president. He is a Democrat. And Woodrow Wilson comes into office pretty much with the endorsements of no other than Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois. Unfortunately, they could not have perceived what an incredible racist Woodrow Wilson was. Woodrow Wilson was the truest racist in the truest sense. He was a racist in his own time, and he's a racist in our time. And I like to make that distinction because... My God, I mean, you could go back to to Lincoln himself, and by today's metrics, you could probably say that he was a racist. I say he was a man before his time. He was a progressive in the true sense, not not in the mocking sense, but somebody who sought change and moved us to a better place. But Woodrow Wilson was a hardcore, die-in-the-world racist. First thing he did was he mandated uh, federal workforce be segregated. He praised the KKK. He, uh, they made a movie that really glorified the KKK and was showing all the bad things that happened through re- uh, Reconstruction, at least, at least what their narrative was. And that was blacks, black males were going to rape white women and they were going to overtake our way of life, and uh, he highly heralded. He actually viewed this movie, had a viewing inside of the White House. He praised the KKK. And what he said about the KKK was Reconstruction. Remember, I told you the Democrats really worked hard to uh, frustrate any reconstructive efforts and to try to fully franchise black people. But this is what he says. He praised the KKK. He said Reconstruction had put the white men under intolerable burden and the Klan was necessary to protect the southern country from some of the ugliest hazards of a time of revolution. So yeah, he had no love for the black man whatsoever. Princeton just recently recognized how racist was. His name is being erased from just about everything in Princeton. They uh, had a college that was named, a residential college that was named after him that has been closed and a new one built, and I can't remember what they're calling it, but his name has been erased from Princeton. Uh, they apologetically say that his name is on a few buildings and recognized, but that was from endowments, and they had uh, agreed to keep the name 
So they very apologetically keep his name on some of the buildings and some endowments that were made in his name. Otherwise, they have cut ties with Woodrow Wilson. So I think that uh, we're up to 1921 now. Let's see where, let's see, 1934, probably the Mac Daddy Democratic president of them all. Uh, FDR, was he a racist? I would say absolutely FDR was a racist. Uh, he sent Japanese Americans to uh, internment camps. He uh, passed the National Housing Act to qualify for that, those mortgages and those insurances. You had to be white. They were not offered to black. If you lived in a mixed neighborhood that was especially bordering a black neighborhood, you were not going to get this insurance. You were not going to qualify Therefore, that helped them to prevent school segregation, which is a, this is supposed to be underway. But people are finding ways legally to frustrate that transition, and FDR took part of that. He also voted against anti-lynching laws. Now, I guess that would have been tantamount to enforcing a hate crime, which we do today. Um, I don't know all the particulars of the anti-lynching, but it just seems at face value you would not support lynching, especially by a mob. Another thing FDR did was he appointed a Klansman to the Supreme Court. That would have been Hugo Black. Now, I want to be very fair as I talk about Hugo Black. He said he joined the KKK and was part of it. He, he just thought it was a thing to do. It was a very popular thing to do. It seemed to be a good thing to be with to uh, for his senatorial campaign, which he did win. He made anti-black and Catholic speeches during that time. He said that he told FDR. FDR uh, said he never knew of the Klan tie, uh, but Hugo Black would say that he did know and said he had no problem with it, said he had many friends in the Klan. To, to be perfectly fair, though, I don't think that you could find anything that Hugo Black did on the Supreme Court justice that would give you a hint of his racist past. Uh, he did vote unanimously to uh, support Brown versus Board, but that was a unanimous decision with all the uh, stigma that was over him for being a Klan member in the first place. Could you imagine uh, a unanimous vote? No, you're the only one that didn't vote for it. So I don't know. People did change during that time. People are changing today. I, and I, I don't want to come too hard on Democrats. As I told you before, there are many Republicans. If you go back and look at some of their statements, they're not going to be as blatant, let's say, as Lyndon B. Johnson. I mean, he was just a in-your-face, did-not-give-a-damn uh, he would call a black man the N-word to his face. And, yeah, we'll get to him in just a second. But uh, he would come to find out that that black vote was very valuable. So, uh, again, we'll get to him in just a second. But, yeah, uh, I don't think you could say FDR, by any stretch of the imagination, was a civil rights warrior. They did do, he did pass something to do with uh, non-discrimination and employment. But I... <laughs> That had to come from Eleanor. Eleanor was a true uh, fighter for civil rights. FDR himself, not so much. That was a uh, troubled partnership, troubled marriage. Uh, might be an interesting read for you to uh, read into them, but you've got to give credit where credit's due. And I do believe Eleanor truly was committed to the embetterment or securing the rights for for the blacks. And let me just say, there's no white savior complex to 
to secure the rights of somebody else is to secure your rights. To protect the rights of all citizens is to protect your rights. It's You could probably look at it as being a very selfish endeavor because if you start putting structures in place that deprive people of their rights, they're there in place to deprive you of your rights. Okay, so let's jump to 1957, and we're not going to talk about Democrats. We're going to talk about a Republican president, Dwight D. Eisenhower, passes the first or signs into effect the first Civil Rights Act of 1957. Now, this was the first federal legislation since Reconstruction. This is about, geez, what, over 100, getting close to 100 years since Reconstruction. And a lot in the South are just not getting it. They're just not getting it. And as a side note, uh, his vice president was Richard M. Nixon. Yeah, the, the famously impeached Richard Nixon. So Richard Nixon today would be probably considered a, uh, a racist by some of the remarks that he made. But you would never tell it from his legislation. And he spearheaded this uh, this this Civil Rights Act. So I don't think Dwight D. Eisenhower was the uh, most motivated and willing participated in, in, in civil rights, but he signed it. He was the president of the United States. He recognized it as law. When they stood in the front of the schools, people like George Wallace, which we're going to talk about him a little bit too. When George Wallace stood in front of the schools, would not allow people to Get it. He, he would send in the Army, the, the National Guard. There was an incident, I think, at, uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas, home of the famous Bill Clinton. Yeah, Dwight D. Eisenhower did his job. A sworn president took up the oath and pledge to uphold the laws of this land, stood behind them. You know, to, to say that you can't appreciate the president of the United States who has a large faction of his country that could make it come unglued at any time. You know, they were always trying to see how can we push for more rights. The true hope was always to have full franchisement of, of the blacks. And yet you're trying to, trying to do this and not have the country come unglued. I mean, I'm sure Dwight just being a hundred years out from the Civil War. And he's right there. He lives there in Gettysburg. He would have been well-grounded in Civil War history. And when he was looking at the South, he, he must have been thinking, man, I've got the possibilities of another Civil War on my hands. But anyhow, to his credit, it was 1957. And this did not resonate too well with the South. He did take some of the uh, border states when he got elected. After Afterwards, during his first uh, presidency, he got much more acceptance in the South. But the South continued to send their senators and their uh, congressmen there. And it would continue to frustrate the Republicans as they continue both black and white to totally enfranchise the black person and give him his God-given rights that uh, he's just so deservedly had. So uh, that brings us to 1957. Now, now we're in the 60s. And unfortunately, John F. Kennedy did not live long enough for us to fully appreciate his, uh, his legacy. He wasn't around to see the NASA send a rocket and land on a uh, on the moon. Uh, we have no idea what he would have done in foreign policy. We got some insight as to how he handled the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, appeared to be an able uh, leader. And uh, they did give much lip service to the uh, civil rights movement. 
that again, we will never get to see what would happen had all those plans come to full fruition. But just let me say this. The Democrats are starting to wake up. Uh, They're starting to sense that the South is not going to rise again, not in the sense that they would have hoped that it would. And they're starting to realize more and more blacks are voting, that they have power. I believe that it's much more of a practical recognition of the black vote that you start to see some respect to, hey, we're going to have to give them something. We might not give it all to them. Uh, They're not going to be going to our schools, you know, and uh, we'll turn, we'll look the other way when they are discriminated against. And, you know, more than most likely, if anything happens, it's going to be an all-white jury. So we can acknowledge the law with a wink and a nod, but we do not have to practice it. And we have ways of in routing it, but we at least need to make them think that we are giving them a little something, something. So I, I, I truly do believe that was Lyndon Johnson's true feelings about black people. Can we agree that to 1960, there has been no big conversion of Democrats to Republicans and Republicans to Democrats. I I just can't see how you would even start to make that case. I think Bobby Byrd's on scene now. He's the longest serving senator and he was a Klegel. He had recruited 150 people, a lot of them his friends, and formed his own chapter of the KKK. And full disclosure, he would come to later separate himself from that. He said, I think he said he started losing interest in the KKK in the early 50s. I don't know at what time that he made a full conversion and totally divested himself of those beliefs and those connections. You know, I have no reason to believe that later in life that he did not convert. But I'm just trying to tell you that was not his mindset back then. So I guess we're still, I I imagine I probably haven't still lost you. And, And in the 1960, up to 1960, there was no big conversion of Republicans to Democrats or Democrats to Republicans. So Let's move to, I don't know, 1970. Now we have Richard Nixon. Now, Richard Nixon, like I told you before, I think that uh, in private, some of the comments that he made would leave you to believe at least he had some racist attitudes. But with that being said, he was a big proponent of uh, equal rights for blacks. He, he passed the equal rights uh, for employment for, for, for the blacks. This information comes from the uh, Richard M. Nixon Foundation. It says when he reached the presidency, Nixon sought to expand economic opportunities for African-Americans by ending discrimination in the workplace through endowment of black colleges with federal funds and helping them find meaningful employment through job assistance programs and promotion of entrepreneurship and initiative called black capitalism. In 1970, perhaps the hallmark of the Nixon administration's civil rights policy, Nixon sought to end the decades-old and agrarious tradition of segregated schools for black and white children throughout the nation, predominantly in the southern states. Now, I lived in a southern state in 1970, and it was the first year that my school was integrated. It was... uh, something that Nixon took very seriously. So like I said, Nixon and a lot of men by today's metrics as what it what means to be a racist could be called racist. But if you really look at Nixon's 
foreign policy, if you look at his environmental record, if you look at his civil rights record, he, he signed the civil rights, uh, 1970 voters' rights for blacks. You, he, he very well could be considered a progressive by today's metrics also. But that's not my point. That's a totally... That's another show if I choose to pursue it. Richard Nixon, very complicated person. Actually a very good president. And I know, boom, I just heard everybody say boo right then. But in a lot of ways, Richard Nixon was very successful. Severe character flaw had him impeached. And the right thing was done there. Both Republicans and Democrats impeached him. And he did the right thing for the country, too, in resigning he would have been removed otherwise. So enough on Nixon. And like I said, the only thing I'm trying to do is bring us up through the history of the two parties. Try to figure out when did this big dosy do because that when my friends say, made that statement to me, by this time it was not the first time I heard at some point in time that they switched seats. I, I guess I never really looked into it. I just always assumed Yes, if I was a Democrat, that's what I would be saying because it, it is, it's a horrible history as far as uh, racism goes. And I believe that today that there's many in the Democratic Party that are racist. They have just found a different tact. You know, there was a day when they tried to fight it tooth and nail and they were not scared to stand up and spew their hatred and, and their racist vitriol, you know. It took a while for them to realize we're not going to go back. I mean, we're up into 1970. I think George Wallace ran in 68. And yeah, they, they just were not buying into it. And they, I think in 1968 and 1970, they really thought they were going to overthrow the United States of America and reinstate the uh, southern states as uh, supreme authority. And they, I guess they thought they were going to go back. But that was not going to happen. And they were just now figuring out we've got to find a new way to operate. And they have. Okay, so now we're in the 1970s. And I can start talking a little bit more about authority because I'm now a teenager. And uh, I can remember all these. So the only thing I'm going to say about Jimmy Carter is I like Jimmy Carter then. I like Jimmy Carter now. I would not vote for him to be a dog catcher because that was not a good spirit. That was not a good experience for white or black. I truly believe the man had a heart, a good heart, and one of the very best for this country, but he did not have the skill set for it. And so he goes on today and he prospers. I do believe he's a Christian man and he does some very good good things like Habitats for Humanity, providing homes for those people who are struggling to to have a home. So he has uh, probably lived out one of the more charitable lives of any of our uh, presidents, although many of our presidents have involved themselves. But, I mean, Jimmy actually rolls up his sleeves and goes to work, and you've got to admire that. Uh, and I, I'm just going to leave that alone. Uh, I, I don't believe that Jimmy Carter is a racist. He was a Democrat. Um, yeah, I'm just going to leave that right there because th that's not the point of this show. I'm just trying to find out when this big dosy -si do took place between the Republicans and the Democrats. So look, we're, we're now moving up into the 80s, and we're getting to the era of Reagan. Now, I have been a registered Republican my entire life, and uh, I must confess with, with much conviction, if party-wise, if I had to brag about or want put up front our history as far as race relations, I'm very proud to be a Republican. And I want to be charitable 
to my uh, Democratic counterparts that, uh, you know, we grew as a nation. We had a lot of learning to do as a nation, and many of those hardcore races did make true conversions. George Wallace comes to mind. I mean, the man afterwards, you know, he was uh, paralyzed from a gunshot. I believe he was, it was during, a, it was either a presidential or a, a governor uh, pursuit. He was shot and uh, he was paralyzed. He would, some years later, I think it was 1979, he would go to a Baptist church. I wish I could recall which one. Supposedly, Martin Luther King pastored this church. I believe it was called St. Jude. And he went up in front of that congregation and took full responsibility. I mean, he did not blame past generations. He said, I have done you wrong. And he asked for forgiveness. And that congregation gave him full forgiveness. Many blacks attended his funeral later on. It was uh, 30 years after the Freedom Walks in Montgomery, Alabama. He addressed them too and said as much, and I'll try to paraphrase that, you know, we've learned a lot since then. And he said the message today, may it never be forgotten. And uh, today's message to you is you are welcome here. So, yeah, a lot of these people did make full conversion. Uh, you know, I think about our, our president today, Joe Biden. It was 1977. I think it was 1977. You go check it. He made his uh, infamous uh, statements about segregation. Yeah, he fought it, too. And he said that his kids would have to go in to schools that were— uh, I'm paraphrasing here. I probably should look it up. Called him a racial jungle. Called it a racial jungle that they would live in. Very, very powerful words. And I think Joe knew what he was alluding to and how he was referring to our black citizens when he said that. Interestingly enough, Kamala Harris called him out during the presidential debates about that. I, to this day, have never heard Joe Biden have a George Wallace moment where he tearfully or and if not tearfully, how about sincerely ask for forgiveness for those positions that he held back then? Again, I would say that possibly if there's any truth to, to you seeing a migration of especially Southern Democrats over to Republicans, it's probably during this time, um, and I think for a much different reason. And keep in mind what I just told you about George Wallace. If George Wallace made that kind of conversion, I think that's a pretty good reflection on what the typical hardcore racist Southern Democrat was going through. They were they were transitioning. And if they weren't transitioning, they were coming to the stark reality. We are not going back, people. This is where we're headed. Being rather butthurt, they had no opportunity but to march on. And for a while... The Democrats, uh, both whether you're KKK racist or black, you know, they kind of occupied the same sphere. But we're not talking about the migration so much, what they were doing, what they're thinking, what they were experiencing. We're talking about the leadership where you had the uh, big switch of Republicans to, to Democrats. And like I said, I think there was a much different motivation for that happening because this is where the Democrats are really starting to go left. They're coming out of the 60s. You got people like Professor Timothy O'Leary. You've got people like Marcusa pushing postmodernism. They are not the Democratic Party. Maybe it's not so much the Republican Party 
changed and, and morphed into something totally different. Maybe I think uh, we'll see that the Democratic Party morphed and turned into something so different because they became the party of abortion. I mean, that's that's front and center. I mean, you almost can't be a de- I don't think you can be a Democrat if you do not support abortion and promote that you cannot be a part of the democrat the democratic party so on top of the uh the south being i think i would say pretty much predominantly racist and that comes in different degrees but i would say you could say there was a generality race at least the power structures were they were also against abortion and the things that they were for were now becoming under attack, not just the race thing, but a declare to declare war on traditional Christian values, traditional values concerning family, American pride, exceptionalism, uh, our Constitution. Uh, recently, the pronoun people, I call them. I mean, you are messing with their head in such a way that... As much as they want to stay, and believe me, these these Southern Democrats love their Democrat Party. They did not want to switch. But my God, I mean, you're you're attacking every single structure that they ever believed in. And like a lot of things, they might have had racism wrong, but they didn't have everything wrong. Just like Republicans don't have everything right. But man, you attack them to the core to the point to where I would say that anybody left over in the Democratic Party who is still a Democrat, they Joe Manchin comes to mind. And everybody asks this question, why is Joe Manchin still in the Democrat Party? Because it conflicts with just about every position that he holds and the people that he represents. So I don't think it's so much about racism. is It's, it's, a, it's an anti-Americanism uh, position that the Democrat Party has taken it, if not all of them, the the most powerful parts of it, to the part to where you have people like Bill Maher. Bill Maher is being called a right-wing nut, and uh, nobody's ever thought of Bill Maher as being on the right, but I think he's finding out like uh, Ronald Reagan did. Ronald Reagan was a Democratic governor from California, and when he left the Democratic Party, he was asked, why did you leave the party? He said, I did not leave my party. My party left me. And so incrementally, the Democrats have been moving in a direction that has been sloughing off those people who hold traditional American values. And I put forth to you that segregation, racism has never been an American value. We tried to make it an American value. And I, when I say we, I talk about us as a whole. But it was put there in the founding documents. They could not pass it the way that they wanted. They made compromises, unfortunately, to the detriment of our, our black brothers and sisters. Reconstruction efforts were thwarted by Democrats. Civil rights acts were weakened. But with each one of these movements, it was thwarted. And it did not happen fast enough for the black people because one day in slavery is one day too long so those are my thoughts i put forth to you that if there's been any big switching of the parties 
it was not based on race issues. Matter of fact, it was done in spite of them because the Republicans have not changed their position on that. So if you want to criticize the Republican Party for being a different kind of party today in 2022, I guess maybe they've moved away from their small government stances that they've had in the past. Maybe they're uh, balancing the budget like they should be. They should be more concerned with balancing the budget. But also keep in mind they have a counterpart that they have to work with on the other side of the aisle too. Again, this is not about balancing the budget mainly just to give you some actual facts. And I'm not trying to pick on the Democrat Party. All those, all those Democratic, Andrew Jackson, we could not be the United States of America had it not been for Andrew Jackson, had it not been for George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass, big fan of Frederick Douglass. I consider him a founding father in a much different sense, but no less important than the uh, in the history of our country find him to be a monumental founding father of this country. If they ever put another face on Mount Rushmore, I'm all about some Frederick Douglass being put up there on that, that mountain with those other great men. So I'm not trying to attack the people of their time. I've always thought that it was the height of arrogance to judge a man in his time. As a matter of fact, if you find yourself a man of your times and you find out that you're in complete uh, agreement with your society and the generalities of your uh, culture, you would probably be that same man. And so when we see people like Abraham Lincoln, people like Frederick Douglass that are breaking the norms, saying, hey, can we can we revisit the Constitution? Do you not see what it says? Can you not understand what it says? Am I any less of a human being? Uh, you know, judge those people in the times that they existed and give credit too to people like George Wallace and possibly the Supreme Court Justice I was talking about, Hugo Black. Could be people like Hugo Black. They're just politicians. They can be whatever you need them to be. If you need them to show up at a lynching, I'll be there. If you need me to be there for a civil rights march, I'll be there. Just vote for me. Could be that's what it's all about. Don't mean to minimize something that is so serious, but sometimes you have to exaggerate to really shed light on a point. Anyhow, those are my thoughts. As always, you are welcome to them. Thank you so much for listening. If you heard something that you liked today, hit subscribe. If you didn't like something, tell me why you didn't like it. This is an open forum. Again, I really uh, focused on Democrats, and I gave you in full disclosure that I am a registered Republican, a proud registered Republican. So uh, I guess I am just as apt to be biased as anybody else. But I shared with you the facts, and regardless of what a man says on the political stump, you need to go look and see how he voted, because some wise man at some point told me, he said, you know, the politician's always telling you who he hopes that you think that he is, and something that W. Du Bois and uh, Booker T. Washington found out about Woodrow Wilson, he was not who they thought that he said that he was, and they supported him at their own detriment. So keep that in mind, people. Politicians are politicians. Try to keep your eye open when you finally see somebody who is sincerely trying to make a change. In my own small way, I hope that's what I'm doing here. So, you know, God bless you. Blessings on your house. I hope he keeps you safe. Friday ramblings. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about tomorrow. Didn't even know if I was going to be able to get this out this week. But uh, again, please leave your comments, and I do appreciate you 
And regardless of your political stance, you've got to believe I'm very sincere. When I say this, uh, I hope nothing but the very best for you and our country. I'm praying for this president because when he doesn't do good, we don't do good. And people right now, we are not doing good. So keep your heads up and uh, I'll see you soon again on Over and Under. My name is Ed Henderson. Bye.